0: It's a catchy song, isn't it? Uh, more to life. And it grabs us not only because it's got a catchy beat, but also it catches us because I think it actually speaks to us, doesn't it? Uh, it speaks to who we are and what we are and where we are, because I think all of us at different times at different places have asked that question. There's got to be more to life. Uh, what is life about? Uh, it, it speaks into that gnawing question that we have. Stacey Orico says there's got to be more than just racing around, chasing those temporary highs, those things that get us up, but then they drop, uh, be it excitement, be it family even, be it job, be it jumping out of the sky with uh, a parachute on the back. Uh, all those sorts of things, they're great, aren't they? They can be good, but do they last? Do they hold us? Do they keep us? Are the things that we look like that, do they really speak to our heart?" And I reckon if we look inside our heart, they probably don't, do they? We we try to fill it with different things, but in the end, it doesn't quite gel. There's got to be more to it. What is it all about? What is life all about? It's been the question from the beginning of time, hasn't it? What is the meaning of life? What is it all about? How do we live it? What's it going to be about? What's the here and now? Is there a hereafter? How does it all fit together? Even Monty Python tried to work it out, didn't they, in the film Meaning of Life? Funny, but I don't think they quite got there either. Uh, Good film. But what is it? Well, I think it is a question that often we ask uh, at different times in our lives. Sometimes we get so much happening around us, we don't get to that question very often. But I think there's quiet moments in our lives that we sit back, when we're by ourselves, that we do ask that question. What is life all about? Well, as I said, it's a question that's been asked for years. And it's a question that was being asked around the time that Jesus lived as well. And there's a guy that was around when Jesus lived who came and asked him very much that same question. Uh, Jesus had been doing lots of stuff. He'd been teaching and doing some amazing things, miracles and speaking and doing all this sort of stuff. He caused quite a stir around the Jerusalem area. And so people were coming to him to find out what this is all about. And so a guy who's called a scribe or a guy who knows about the Jewish law comes up to him and asks him a question. And he asked him the question, what is life all about? Now we're going to read that now. It's going to be up on the screen for us. Mari's going to come out. She's going to read for us. It's from Luke chapter 10. Uh, It goes from verses 25 through to 37. I think you'll notice as you read this that there's a really famous part of Jesus' teaching in it. Uh, But there's even a better part just before it. So look out for it. As Mari reads, look out for the answer to life, what it's all about because it's right there in this passage. Thanks, Mary.
1: The parable of the good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. "Teacher," he asked, "what must I do to inherit eternal life?" "What is written in the law," he replied, "how do you read it?" He answered, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise.
0: Well, oh, did you see it? Did you see the answer? It's right there in verse 25 and 26 uh, and 27. If you've got a Bible, open up and have a look. If not, just listen to me. Because this is what Jesus says. This guy's come to him. He wants to know. He's desperate to know. What is the meaning of life? What is the answer to life? What is it that I need to do that I live now and I'll live eternally? That's what he asks him. He says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's his question. He wants to know, how do I live now? What makes sense of life now so that I can live forever? And Jesus comes to him and he answers him. He says, hey, mate, you should know this. You should really understand this because you know it. You've been reading it all your life. You're actually an expert in the Old Testament. That's what he says. He says, what is written in the law? What he means there is what was written in the Old Testament? What were you told from the beginning of your history that is the answer to this? It's right under your nose, mate. I think he's a bit like most of us blokes, isn't he? Uh, too often uh, the things that we see are right there, we miss it. I don't know about you, but when I go to the pantry, often what I do is I open up the pantry doors, I look and I'm looking for the veggie mite. Karina, where's the veggie mite? She says, right there in front of your nose. And there it is, right there. You see, blokes are like horses. We actually need to move our heads to see things. We don't see things on the periphery. But it's like that, isn't it? Uh, you got it straight there in front of him, mate. It was there, mate. You should have seen it. It's right in front of you. And it's so simple. I don't know about you, but I think we try to complicate things, don't we? Too often I think we tend to say we work by the kids' principle, the keep it simple, stupid principle. But I actually think we often work by the kids' principle, the keep it difficult, idiot principle. That's, you know, we do that, don't we? You know, what have we got in our houses these days? You walk into the kitchen and what have you got? You've got a washing machine, you've got a uh, washing machine in your kitchen, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Uh, You've got a dishwasher, you've got a dishwasher, well, it might work, that might be a new thing. Maybe we should have the washing machine and the dishwasher right beside each other, that'd save you walking a long way, wouldn't it? Uh, You've got a dishwasher, you've got your microwave, you've got your oven, you've got your thermomix, it's all there, it's all around. Uh, but does it make it simpler? That's all complicated, isn't it? Do you have any more time? I bet you most people tell you now, the surveys say, that most people in life say that they're time poor. That's the big hassle they have, they're time poor. But we have all this stuff. We haven't got it simple, have we? We need to get back to the simple stuff, and that's what Jesus says to this guy, you need to get back to the simple stuff, mate. And here it is, you should know what it is. What does the Old Testament say? And the bloke goes, oh... That's what it says. Look, verse 27, he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. Now, it's pretty good he knew that, isn't it? And how simple is it, really? What he's saying is that life is all about relationship. Life is all about having a living, loving relationship with God and having living, loving relationships with each other. Simple, isn't it? Love God with all that you can and love each other the best that you can. That's what he's saying life is all about. And the the guy's thinking, well, wow, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? How simple is that? But I actually think it's not as simple as it looks, is it? Because if I think into our hearts, if I look into my heart, I know that I actually sometimes find it really difficult to love God with all that I am. You see, you know what he means here? He says, love the Lord God with all of your soul. That's with everything, sorry, with all of your heart. That's everything of you. That's the whole of you. With all of your soul, that's the entirety of you. With all of your strength, that's as much as you can give. And with all of your mind. What are you saying? It's a complete loving of God with everything that you have. I don't do that. It's hard, isn't it? And you know what? We can't do that. None of us can do that in and of ourselves, by ourselves, because there's something that stops us. There's a thing that's within all of us that actually infiltrates and goes through every part of our living being that makes it impossible for us to do that by ourselves. And it's that word called sin or that thing called sin. Uh, Now, if I was to invite you over to have lunch with me, I can't cook too many things, but one thing I can cook is an omelette. So if I invite you over to have an omelette with me, and I decide to make a four egg omelette, because it's just the two of us, we don't need six, there be four more people, it's just you and me. If I got the eggs out, and I got the eggs ready, and I got the first egg and I cracked it, beautiful. Second egg, beautiful. Third egg, beautiful. As I pick out the fourth egg and I crack it, the stench is horrible. It's foul. It just passes out through the doors, out the windows. There's dogs howling down the street. Mums are are picking their kids off and taking them inside. This egg stinks. But I think, I need a four egg omelette. They won't notice. So I put it in there and I stir it around (laughs) and I... Wouldn't work, would it? He wouldn't come back to my place ever again. Well, if I didn't like him, maybe I'd do that. But no... (laughs) It wouldn't work, would it? Because that egg goes through everything, doesn't it? It impacts every part of that omelette. And you see, the Bible tells us that that's what sin does to us. It goes through and impacts every part of us. And what it does is it, takes, it says to us that we can be in control of our lives, not God. That God's not the best and not the ultimate, but we are. And we want to do things our way, not God's way. And that infiltrates every part of us. And so therefore, with sin in our lives, we can't love God with all that we are. But you see, the good news is that God doesn't leave us that way. And that's what we celebrated with the baptism of nikki That the washing that Jesus does. You see, what Jesus goes, what Jesus comes and lives, he teaches some great stuff. But the greatest thing he does is he dies on the cross. Because at the cross, he takes all the sin that you and I have done, that rotten egg within us, and he has it. And he takes the punishment for it on the cross for us and removes it from us, takes it from us, so that we can live. So that we can love with God with all our heart, soul and mind. Now we don't do that perfectly, but we can do it because Jesus does that for us. You see, Jesus is like the white blood cells in our system. He comes in and he attacks the things that are wrong. He takes over those things. He hits in and he removes it. So that we can love God with all of our heart, soul and mind. So that's what Jesus says. You've got to do that. That's the best thing. And what he's saying is the way to do that is actually to trust in the way that I'm going to make it possible for you, which is Jesus. Trust in him and I'll make it possible for you to love me with all your heart, soul and mind. Now he doesn't leave it there, does he? It's not just about loving God, he says, but it's also about loving each other. And that's where the Good Samaritan story comes in. You often heard that term, don't you, the Good Samaritan The person who goes across the street and helps someone out, the person who goes and does this. Well, that's where it comes from. This is where this terminology comes from. And it's a great story, isn't it? It's a very impacting story. And as you understand this story, it's even bigger than you think because, you see, uh, the guy who's going on a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho, he falls into the hands of robbers, he's stripped and so forth, and he's on the side of the road. He's been beaten. And then what Jesus tells the story is all these good people come along the Levite, the Jew, all these guys are supposed to be the good guys and they ignore him. These ju- the guys, the good guys, should have stepped in and helped him. But what comes along is a Samaritan. Now, a Samaritan really should have hated this guy because he was a Jew. He should have had nothing to do with him. You see, Samaritans are like Queenslanders in New South Wales. They just hate one another. They wouldn't have anything to do with them. That's going to be a great victory on Wednesday night when Queensland wins. But um, they they hate one another. You would not see a Queenslander on the football field go across and pick a New South Welshman up, would they? Or a New South Welshman just go smack and hit them, wouldn't they? Now, Samaritan is supposed to be that way with this Jew, this Levite. He is supposed to go across and kick him a couple more times and say, good on you, mate, you deserve it. But what he does, he goes across, he picks him up, he takes him to a motel, he puts him up for the night or three He pays the incubator to feed him and look after him. And he says, I'm going to give you my phone number and I'm going to come back and have a chat with you later. See how you're going. It's an amazing story, really. Because I don't know whether we quite get the sense of this, but Jesus is saying, "Is this is the type of neighbour that you are to be to the people around you. That there are no more barriers. There are no more distinctions. You're not to treat someone lesser than someone else. You are to love them as you love yourself. And the neighbour is to be everybody. You see what he said back up there in verse 29, but he wanted to justify himself and said, who is my neighbour? He wanted to say, well, okay, Jesus, I can love God, maybe, I'll try that one, but loving the neighbour, all right, I'm just going to pick the people that I want to love. Jesus, he's a Jew, he's going to tell me it's just all my Jewish mates. And Jesus just blows him out of the water, doesn't he? He says, no, it's far bigger than that. It's far broader than that. It's everybody. It's a challenge, isn't it? How do we go loving the ones that are unlovable? How do we go loving the asylum seeker? How do we go loving the one from a different nationality than us? How do we go loving the person down the street who you just think is an absolute wipeout, a waste of space, How do we go loving that type of person? Well, I think the answer is that Jesus is the answer because Jesus enables us to love that person. You see, Jesus says to love God with all your heart, soul and mind. You can do that when you trust in me because we remove that barrier that stops that from happening. But Jesus also says later on that if you love and trust in me, then I give you my spirit to live in you to enable you to love people the way I love. You see, the real, the real hero in this story is actually Jesus. You see, Jesus is the good Samaritan. Jesus is the one that goes across the barriers. Jesus is the one who goes out completely on a limb for you and me. For people who honestly, most of the time, don't give two hoots about him. Don't think about him. But he goes out on a limb and he goes to the cross to love us, to bring us into a relationship with God And to put his spirit within us so that we can love others as he loves. You see, Jesus is our good Samaritan. He's the one that enables us to love God and to love each other the way that we should. Mortal life, the meaning of life. What is it? To love God with all that we are and to love each other with the best that we can and that's all possible because of Jesus. I don't know whether you know, but in America, in New York, there are 8 million cats and 11 million dogs that live in that city. There's almost more cats and dogs than there are people. And just recently the the council decided that because these dogs eventually and cats eventually die, that they had no room to bury them. So what they did was they decided that they would charge people $50 to take their dog and their cat and bury them or cremate them or get rid of them or do something with them. Uh, well, there was a very uh, enterprising young lady in New York who worked out a way to make money out of this. And so she advertised that she would take and get rid of the dogs for $30, the dog or the cat, your dead dog or cat. She'd come round, she'd pick it up, and she'd dispose of it. And this is what she did. Uh, what she did was when she got the call, uh, she got the call, she knew where it was, she'd go down the street to St Vincent's or an op shop and she'd buy an old suitcase for a Uh she She'd grab the suitcase, she'd go up, find the people, she'd grab the the dead animal, place it in the suitcase and say, I'm going to look after it for you, that's $30, thank you. Then what she would do, she'd go down, she'd walk onto the subway, she'd get onto the subway, she'd place her suitcase on the ground and then she'd stand and look like this. And what would happen? Thieves would come through and take that (laughs) bag and race off and get rid of it for her. She didn't have to do anything with her. And they'd race off thinking, that oh, this is heavy, this is good, this is going to be great. And they'd get further on down the track and then they'd open up and they'd, oh, that's a dead dog. Or a cat. It's foul. She made some money, she did pretty well out of it. But I think sometimes we're a little bit like those thieves. We're a little bit like we think we're going to chase after, we're going to grab that case that's something in life that's going to make the difference, that's going to change me, that's going to make it, this is it, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to grab it, I'm going to take it, I'm going to run. And then when we actually open it up, we find it's just a dead dog. It doesn't satisfy. It doesn't give us life. It doesn't give us purpose, it doesn't give us meaning. It just doesn't add up. Jesus had that question asked of him. What is life about? This guy says, there's got to be more to life. What is it? What's it all about? Jesus says to him, it's about two things. It's about loving God with all that you are. It's about loving each other the best that you can. And he says, I'm going to help you do that. Jesus is the key to that. He gets rid of sin so that we can love God with all that we are. And he gives us his spirit so that we can love others the way that he loves all of us. I pray that you may take that this morning and that you may know what the true meaning of life is all about. It's all about Jesus. Let's pray.